Welcome to the 50th and final episode of Comic Book Physics. This time around, we're wrapping up our look at Superman's powers, going through the last 26 powers, as listed by Ranker.com's list of all 51 of Superman's powers. This week we begin with number 26, of course. This is Mind Reading, another red kryptonite power. Falls immediately from the previous power that we finished up with, the super duplication, or actually number 28, Dragon Breath. This appears to be from a story in which he was exposed to three different pieces of red kryptonite that had three different effects. And in this one, he's able to overhear thoughts from others but not transmit his own. So does this power work? Well, it would if the other characters have some way to transmit their thoughts. So this wouldn't be a superpower from Clark. This would be a superpower from Lois or Jimmy, really. The only way to have it work this way, where he can overhear their thoughts, but their physiology is not changed to transmit thoughts, is if he somehow had the ability to actively scan their neural networks and interpret the arrangements and signals to see what they are thinking and interpret it that way which is a pretty dramatic physiological change to be produced by red kryptonite and disappear in 24 hours. Now number 25 is super friction. He tears a cage apart and then welds it together with super friction. This one, given his other power set, super friction wouldn't be a separate power. It would just be the friction of a combination of his invulnerability, strength, and super speed. He could just rub his hands across the metals much faster than anyone else. He could withstand the punishment of it because of his invulnerability. And then, yeah, he would be able to weld things together. So if we are accepting of his other, much more famous powers, then super friction is not a separate power. It's just a completely natural application of those existing powers. So that one's not a problem. Power number 24 is super eating. In this one, he's eating a large number of hamburgers, just one at the other, practically eating them whole. And it looks like there's a few dozen stacked up in front of him. And he's already eaten enough for an army, but he's continuing to eat. Now, as we discussed the super speed characters, this is actually fairly reasonable. If he's going to be expending the energy levels he expends to use all of his powers on a regular basis anyway, He's going to have to bring in a tremendous amount of energy to bring that off. Right? If he lifts a ship, say an oil tanker, out of the ocean and carries it back to shore, well, that takes a certain amount of energy, and he's got to have that energy stored within his body. So he is canonically solar-powered, and that's where his energy comes from, but that can only go so far. You can only absorb so much in any given period of time. So this is a viable supplement to that. If you're burning that much energy and working at super speed, being able to eat huge quantities of food is a pretty natural consequence. Now, he's also got power number 23, an indestructible cape. So he's able to stretch out his cape, use it. You know, the idea is that it's Kryptonian, so it's as invulnerable as he is. But his cape, I don't imagine would have the same biological responses to the changing environment that his body would. 
Not that his body's biological responses make a tremendous amount of sense anyway. So I believe that Kryptonians could develop material that is far more durable than anything humans have. I can't imagine anything that could go indestructible. I mean, if it's made out of matter, it is always vulnerable to antimatter. There is just no way around that. But can they make a cape that is far more pliable and durable than it needs to be to go through what he's doing in here, in this case, rounding up? It looks like he's containing an atomic explosion with his cape. That's unlikely, but his cape could potentially be bulletproof or something like that, right? Just a more advanced version of Kevlar. So I will accept an incredibly durable cape. Indestructible is going a little too far. Power number 22 is super creepy kissing. As described by Ranker, it's just a super kiss in the little segment that pulled out. The way it's described, it just seems like he's a really good kisser because of his Superman persona and not because of skill. I would be willing to accept this just as someone who's really good at kissing and she wasn't expecting it. The memory erasing as needed bit isn't canonical in the comics. That's just a reference to Superman 2. Power number 21 is super math. So in this one... Superman is holding up a jar of beans and figures out, okay, the jar weighs 12 ounces, allowing 2 pounds for the jar. That makes 20 times 16 times 10, or 32,000 beans, because each bean is a 20th of an ounce. So he's counting the beans without using x-ray vision. Again, this doesn't seem to be a superpower. This isn't super mathematics. This is just math. You know, if you've got a jar of beans that weighs 12 pounds, you know the jar itself is two pounds that gives you 10 pounds of beans at 1 20th of an ounce each. Well, it's not difficult to figure out that you would have 32,000 beans. That's, you know, elementary school math problem. If it comes across as super math to anyone, well, then maybe we should investigate the math curriculum that we are using to teach them. Anyway, power number 20, telekinesis. This is from The New Adventures of Superboy, issue 11. The cover gives the appearance that he's developed a new superpower of telekinesis. And he's moving people around with pink rays emanating from his hands. Now this is just a cover. And Superman covers do have a history of being misleading, simply because they would solicit cover ideas from the readership. So five, six, seven, eight-year-olds would be sending in ideas for covers that aren't necessarily consistent with what you get inside and what's happened in past stories. So sometimes the writers would say, okay, we're going to run with it, and it really is what it looks like. Sometimes it's not. So I'm not sure about the contents of this one. Anytime you've got telekinesis, though, you've got an issue of trying to figure out, well, what powers and what forces are you using to move it? There's only four forces in nature. The weak and strong nuclear forces are limited range, so they're not practical for telekinesis, because neither of them extends beyond the size of a typical atom. So that leaves either the gravitational forces or electromagnetic forces. If you're going to impact everything and not be limited to those that respond either ferromagnetically or paramagnetically, it's not going to be the electromagnetic force, it's going to have to be the gravitational forces. And then we run into issues where you need to figure out how someone is going to be able to produce gravitational waves with a thought or with their hand. 
And that is the big challenge. So power number 19, sensitivity to radio transmissions. So this is from what must be a fairly recent comic. I don't recognize the panel, but Wonder Woman is drawn with the pants as designed by Phil Jimenez during the J. Michael Straczynski run. So it is sometime within the last few years. But in this one, Clark makes reference to the fact that he's got kryptonite in his cells, which allows him to feel energy waves from all over the world, including signals from radio. So why would it take kryptonite to make that happen? I'm not sure. Radio waves are essentially low-energy light waves, and we've got a way to detect light. It makes sense that there are theoretically ways to detect radio waves. The issue with that is because of the much longer wavelengths, in order to detect a radio wave, you need an antenna or a receiver that's about half a wavelength long before you're going to get a clear signal of it. But that just means there's a structure in Clark's body, say the spinal cord, that is sensitive to radio waves. Since most radio waves are, you know, a meter or two, a meter long spinal column could be sensitive to those radio waves. And he could potentially feel the intensity of it. You'd have to be incredibly sensitive. I can't imagine the structure of nerve endings that it would take to do it, but it is theoretically possible. I just don't know how that would develop evolutionarily. Now, power 18 is his telepathy. So in this case, he's taking telepathic control of an alien. Now, this panel seems very, very familiar. So I'm actually scrolling through. Yes, this is the same panel that they had for superhypnotism as power number 30. So we did discuss this one last time. It is a duplicate on the ranker list. Our number 17 is super time travel. Now, in the Silver Age especially, Superman was able to fly through the time barrier into the future. Or into the past, he can go in any direction in time he wanted. Now, this could be a misinterpretation of relativity. If something is going fast enough, its clock slows down. So, with Superman's speeds as reported, he would be able to essentially travel into the future through something like Einstein's twin paradox. If he's moving significantly faster than the Earth, he will perceive time as moving more slowly for him than it would back on Earth. So Alpha Centauri, say, is 4.3 light years away. If he did a round trip around Alpha Centauri in about nine years, if he's moving that quickly, he might experience it as only, say, six or seven months, whereas nine years would pass on Earth. So if he goes far enough, fast enough, and comes back, he would return to Earth in Earth's future. Relativity does not, however, allow someone to go back in time. Mathematically, you can by exceeding the speed of light, but there's no way to accelerate and go beyond the speed of light. That's a route that gets rejected. It would be like a quarterback throws a football. When does the football touch the ground? If you do that math, there are two solutions. One of them is a positive amount of time later when it strikes the ground after being thrown. Another is a negative amount of time, not because the football would travel into the past, but because mathematically speaking, that parabolic curve the football travels along 
goes in both directions, so it's the equivalent of the football jumping up from the ground, passing through the quarterback's hand, and then continuing on that same curve. So would be how much time it would take for the ball to have jumped from the ground to the quarterback's hand. That's something in the past. It's not a physical solution. It's something that goes up in the math that we have to interpret and reject. It's the same thing with moving faster than light to travel back in time. So super time travel can only work in one direction, provided his super speed is a functional power. Power number 16 is the super swim. Now, this seems to be a power that's essentially invented by the Ranker readers. If you read the actual panel that they blew up here, he's just athletically swimming at super speed. It's not treated as a separate power. Power number 15 is super memory. So he's able to retrieve memories of his childhood back with Jorel and his mother from Krypton. It's a little difficult to read because the image that they have is scanned at very low resolution. But his ability to access these memories does seem to be assisted by technology, a memory pillow, so it doesn't appear to be one of Clark's natural powers. The power number 14 is Super Breath. Super Breath has a couple of different effects in the comics and on Super Friends, which is where this screen capture came from, or Superman 3 for that matter, also used it. In terms of being able to produce a huge volume of breath or freezing breath, those can be an issue. If you look at the force his breath can produce, his muscles have power, he can excel quickly, and that would force that breath to expel at high velocity. That part is pretty legitimate. In terms of the volume of air that comes out of his lungs, we have no mechanism in the respiratory system to compress air. What we're doing is altering the volume on the interior of the lungs. The lungs can stretch. We stretch the lungs out, and then the pressure differential causes air to naturally flow into those lungs. But if there's a one liter difference between lungs at full capacity and lungs when you've exhaled, then you're only going to be able to emit one liter of air with super breath. It's not going to be a huge amount unless there are some kind of structures present in the Kryptonian lungs that can have areas at different pressures. So a high pressure chamber and a low pressure chamber and some sort of physiological difference that forces air from the low pressure region that draws air from the outside environment into the high pressure region and contains it there. So having super breath with high volumes requires a completely different internal physiology, which is not out of the question for an alien. But again, where's the evolutionary advantage? They'd have to practically be an amphibious species or you know, something that dolphins or whales could take advantage of. Taking one breath could last them significantly longer. Now for freezing, he'd have to have some sort of heat pump system within his body that drives the heat energy out of the breath and into his body. So if he's going to, say, freeze a lake as he did in Superman 3, then he would need to have some way to store that much heat energy that was drained from this breath in his body. The storage is consistent with his other powers. The question is, what's the mechanism that drives it out? Again, incredibly complicated and very specific internal organs would be needed for that. I suspect that that super breath and that freezing is a side effect of 
you know, the way we blow on soup to cool it off. And they're saying, well, he could just do that to a greater degree. But when we're blowing on food to alter its temperature, all we're doing is, you know, hitting it with molecules that are at our body temperature, roughly, because we're exhaling them. Or in the case of cooling things off, we are pushing away the high energy molecules at the top to lower the average temperature. And either way, it just helps it reach the same temperature as its surroundings. Power 13 is microscopic vision. So Superman canonically has the ability to basically use his eyes like they're microscopes and zoom in on things. The amount of resolution that we get in our vision is determined by the density of the rods and cones on our retinas, as well as the size of the pupils. In order for microscopic vision to work, he would need to have extremely high density rods and cones on the back of his retina to distinguish between incredibly close objects. But even then, it's limited by the size of those rods and cones. So even if Kryptonian physiology has smaller, more efficient rods and cones, you cannot see things smaller than the rods and cones in the eye. The other thing you would have to have is the ability to contract his pupils to incredibly small sizes to the point that using this power as Clark Kent would be visible to those around him because those pupils would be so small. So can he see down to the atoms and molecules as he's done in the comics? Not unless they've found a way to have rods and cones that are one atom in size. They could potentially see very large molecules like proteins, but it would be a power that's visible to others observing him as Clark Kent while he uses it. Power number 12 is telescopic vision, where his eyes function like telescopes and he can see things in the distance. That would be identical to the microscopic vision from a physiological standpoint. Either way, it's a way to see very fine detail at a particular distance. Power number 11 is hyperintelligence, you know, learning languages quickly and so forth. He has been shown to be incredibly smart. Kurt Busiek's interpretation was that his brain just works faster and more precisely. Any character with super speed has got to be able to think quickly. So that is going to manifest to some degree as a super intelligence. If he can respond to things coming up in front of him when running at super speed, then he's got to have a way to recognize that, interpret it, and respond to it, and move out of the way in a fraction of a second. So it could manifest as super intelligence just because, you know, 30 seconds worth of thought to us could feel like 30 hours or 30 days worth of thought to him. And given that much extra time, he should be able to get through a lot of things. Doesn't necessarily make him more creative, but it does mean that he is going to perform significantly better than the average human being on any sort of time-limited intelligence quiz or process. Now, power 10 is ice breath. We actually talked about that a little bit with super breath. Again, these are things on ranker.com submitted by users, so there does seem to be some overlap in them. Now, number nine is super hearing. So there's two different elements to Superman's hearing that we don't see typically with human beings. One of them is the sensitivity, and that one is totally viable. It's entirely plausible that eardrums and things like that are more sensitive than the human eardrum, so they can 
pick out fainter noises, much like dogs and cats can. Another one is the frequencies. So he can hear frequencies that human beings cannot hear. The human beings, we are limited in terms of the frequencies that we can hear by the cilia and the internal structures within the ear that register from 20 hertz to 20,000 hertz or 20 kilohertz. There's no reason that Kryptonian physiology would have the same limitations. So it's entirely plausible that his hearing is more sensitive and at higher frequencies, provided he is exposed to a medium that can transmit that sound. So Superman Returns, where he's listening for distressed calls from outside the Earth's atmosphere, is not feasible. In order to transmit sounds to his ears, there has to be some kind of vibrating molecule that's colliding with other molecules to transmit that sound. When you're looking at one or two molecules per cubic meter, then there's not going to be any sound for him to detect at that point because the molecules aren't colliding. For that point, he needed to be still within the atmosphere. But provided he's within the atmosphere, there is absolutely no reason that his hearing can't be significantly better than human beings. Power number eight is energy absorption. Well, everybody can actually absorb energy from the sun. That's why we feel warm when we go out on a sunny day. That infrared energy is warming us. Effectively, skin cancer is a result of absorbing ultraviolet energy. The difference between Superman's physiology and human physiology here would be not just the ability to absorb that energy, but the ability to store it and put it to practical use without running the risk of cancers or the other hazardous side effects that we get. So it does mean that Superman is incapable of getting a sunburn or a tan, because his body is clearly able to absorb this energy and make practical use of it. Power number seven is X-ray vision. So the issue with this is the way X-rays work. So X-rays allow us to see through materials because they pass through soft tissues but are absorbed by bones and other hard tissues. So that when we put an X-ray emitter on one side of tissue and a photographic plate or something that absorbs the X-rays on the other side, we produce an image that depends upon what we put in between. But to have X-ray vision, the comics consistently have X-rays produced by Clark's eyes. Okay, that, again, requires some very explicit internal structures. And then it also runs into the question of how he can see through the eyes if he's got the structures that he needs for that, because there are certain size limitations required to produce electromagnetic waves of X-ray frequencies. It would mean that, you know, his brain is either much more convoluted and smaller than human brains, or it's distributed outside his head as well. There'd be huge internal structures with questionable evolutionary purpose because once the x-rays are emitted from his eyes, he doesn't have a way to go around to the other side of the object he's looking at and absorb it. Furthermore, x-rays don't give you a full camera image of what's on the other side of the wall. They just will tell you what blocks x-rays and what doesn't. So they're monochromatic images. It's not like it's shown in the comics and in the adapted media where he could see perfectly clearly as though the wall wasn't there. So they may be calling it x-ray vision. It can't be based on x-rays. And if a wall absorbs light, he's not going to see through it. It doesn't matter what's on the other side. The only way he could see through it 
is if there's some sort of detector for the visible waves of light on the other side of that wall. So unless he's got the biological equivalent of nanites that are around him and he's just able to tap into what they see, maybe broadcast through radio or some other frequency that the walls would be opaque to, it just wouldn't function, but that's never the way it's been presented. Now, power number six is super speed. Now, we did discuss super speed characters in general in an earlier episode of the podcast. This is one that's a conditional pass. You need a way to keep up the caloric intake and provide the energy to do it. And you'd have other physiological issues like the ability to think quickly enough to respond to the environment and, you know, other side effects like that. But, yeah, he should be able to easily move faster than other beings, just like a cheetah can outrun a human because of the physiology. All it needs is significantly different Kryptonian physiology, and that's entirely possible. The power number five is the heat vision, which has been presented a couple different ways. Initially, it was just the heat from his x-ray vision. So the idea was that Superman would just crank up his x-ray vision, and the x-rays would be absorbed by the target and heated up. It wasn't a separate power. Later, it has been treated as a separate power, and in Grant Morrison's interpretation, it's not even rays that come out of his eyes, it's just a matter of he concentrates on something, and the thing he concentrates on heats up. Now, Morrison says he did that because it doesn't make sense to have, you know, laser beam eyes or heat coming out of his eyes, but does it make any more sense for him to just be able to heat something by a thought? There has to be something transmitted. So if his eyes can produce x-rays, if you're given that, and then heat vision comes out of it, that is reasonable. In fact, heat vision is just a less challenging to produce in terms of the energy requirements to produce these waves from the body, because obviously infrared or heat waves require less energy than x-rays. It's more challenging in terms of the structure, because infrared waves have significantly longer wavelengths than x-rays do which means you need a larger structure to produce waves of that wavelength. It's that same comparable to the size of the wavelength issue that we have for detecting radio waves. Power number four, accelerated healing, is one that we have discussed as well in the context of Wolverine in particular. But yet those healing factors, again, it is viable. His body would have to be much more efficient in terms of what it can do with chemicals that are within it, you, and he would have to have the raw materials within his body. So if he needs to replace three grams worth of tissue, he's got to have three grams worth of the right molecules within his body to regrow that tissue, not to mention the higher energy requirements. Again, the more efficient healing is a question of the physiology. So there's the conditional pass there because he is an alien. He's not just a human, so he could quite possibly heal faster and more completely than we can, just like a lot of reptiles can regrow parts of the bodies that humans can't because their physiology is dramatically different. Now, power number three is the power of flight. So Superman is able to just take to the sky and fly at will. And Stan Lee had Thor fly differently because he rightfully recognized that someone's not going to be able to fly just by thinking about it. There does need to be some sort of exhaust or energy, some way to push things around and create that action and equal and opposite reaction pair that is required by all 
momentum-changing interactions, and we've known that since Isaac Newton's day. So in order to produce the flight that Superman needs, especially at these speeds and defying gravity, he would need to find some way to produce it. We've got no visible emissions from him. He doesn't seem to lose mass as he flies. There's no exhaust of any kind. So really, it's down to the same gravitic effects that we talked about with telekinesis. He would have to have some way to produce gravitons and alter local gravitational fields so that he's just pulled and he's essentially falling, but choosing the direction he falls arbitrarily and how quickly he accelerates as he falls. Right down to the point of being able to produce something that is the exact counterbalance to Earth's gravitational field for when he chooses to hover. But then that would also imply that when his cape is flopping in the wind, it's not so much the wind as his choice for dramatic effect, which doesn't really seem to be a Superman thing to do, consciously choosing to make his cape flap. So there are some significant issues here in terms of how he's producing these gravitational effects, because one human being just will not have the mass to do that. Power number two is super strength. So he can be stronger than others, just as bodybuilders can be stronger than non-bodybuilders. But the limit to most bodybuilders is how much their skeletal structure can support. How much can they carry without getting crushed by it? And then the time and energy and effort it takes to put in to build that muscle tissue. So is it reasonable that he is stronger than human beings? Yes especially if Krypton had significantly higher gravity than Earth does. Is it reasonable that he's this much stronger than human beings, and can he do what he does with super strength? Not necessarily. Oil tankers are not structured to have all of their weight balanced on something the size of a couple hands and a shoulder in their midpoint. If he tried carrying an oil tanker, he would most likely split down the middle. So it's reasonable that he is stronger than humans, not this much stronger. And there would be much greater side effects than what he did. For an excellent discussion of that, go back to the John Byrne run of the Fantastic Four when they face off against Gladiator, who's a member of the Imperial Guard, the Kalark Gladiator, not the Daredevil villain, who is analogous to Superman, and watch Mr. Fantastic as he sees these powers and tries to reconcile the physics behind it. And then power number one, the last power, is invulnerability. So it is possible that different biological functions and different biological beings will have different levels of durability, because that's a question of how tightly connected the molecules are. It would require significantly greater amounts of energy to grow and develop, because all that energy that's in those bonds making it difficult to break has to be put in by the body as the tissues are forming. So again, with alien physiology, he could be much more durable than humans. The vulnerable to everything but, well, that has changed. When he was first introduced, it was everything short of an exploding shell. So bullets couldn't hurt him, but a tank blast or something else could. So he wasn't invincible, he was just tougher than anything any street thug was going to be able to throw at him. Kryptonite doesn't make a lot of sense scientifically. It was created for the radio show so that voice actor Bud Collier could take time off and somebody else could make groaning sounds for Superman exposed to kryptonite while the other cast members 
could take over the story so Bud Collier wouldn't have to be in the studio for that daily radio show. But later interpretations, such as the John Byrne interpretation, say that, yeah, you can beat Superman down just with physical prowess, but it's going to take a whole heck of a lot. So this is another power that requires dramatic changes in physiology, which are not impossible, but which are unlikely to come up naturally through evolution. So I think, really, the only way to explain the power set that we have seen from Superman and other Kryptonians is not just the difference between yellow and red suns. It's really a sign that the Kryptonians are a race produced through genetic engineering. And they have constructed themselves to be super people. That's really the only consistent way to explain everything that we're seeing. Anyway, that wraps up the final episode of the Comic Book Physics Podcast. I'd like to thank all listeners, not just for listening to this one, but for listening to this and doing the iTunes ratings. This has been an enjoyable program, but I just do need to clear space out of my podcasting schedule to do less podcasting in general because demands on my time have increased and also to make room for other projects that we have coming down the pipe, including a comic book project with John M. Wilson with no firm release date. That's going to be a long-term project, so don't expect it anytime soon, but it is going to happen. We've already started recording, as well as another movie project that's going to be kicking off in late 2019. And we've got a couple other TV ideas, but those are not going to be implemented until the X-Files Retrospective podcast wraps up. So once again, thank you for listening.